It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 427 of Locked On Raptors for late on a Thursday, November 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and of multiple stomach ulcers. I'm not going to bother with the regular intro. You know what the goddamn intro is at this point. The Raptors! Just beat the Golden State Warriors 131-128 in overtime in what I can only describe as the most heart-wrenching and uh, stomach-churning game I can remember in the regular season in a very, very long time. And joining me to talk about the win is from Raptors HQ, John Godis. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. Uh, Yeah, that was a lot. (sighs) Yeah, I had a bunch of notes, and then I stopped taking notes about halfway through the fourth when it got really close, and I was like, we'll just talk about what happened. I'll figure it oh. out later. Um, yeah, that's never game, so you're good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where to start with this one. The Raptors win 131-128. Uh, do you want to start with Kawhi versus KD, which was uh, extremely dope? Yes, Okay. Uh, takes on Kawhi versus KD, which was extremely dope. Please. Uh, um, yeah, it was crazy. I feel like we're doing like HQ overtime again. <laughs> and I'm like in the same mode where I'm totally frazzled and I have nothing, like no cognizant thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> Katie's crazy, like obviously. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised how much he played in this game, but not at the same time. I, I, I know it's kind of what mode they're in right now, obviously, with Steph and Draymond out. Uh, 43 minutes with the overtime included. Like there was some time there. Um, late in the third where he was out there against the bench lineup where he just went off and made it a close game again and that was a big part of why he scored 51 points but the dude was just insane the whole game and then Kawhi Leonard I mean that's why you get Kawhi Leonard because on any other night in any other year the Warriors would have come back and made it a wash pretty quickly but the Raptors always had Kawhi to kind of throw the ball back to and in a sense calm it down and Kyle Lowry is in the same boat as well um through a lot of the clenched butthole possessions late in the fourth and in overtime, it seemed like that one of those two guys just made a play in one way or the other at every time the Raptors needed them to. And uh, Danny Green made a couple big shots too. But uh, yeah, that's absolutely why you get a Kawhi Leonard because 37 points on 24 shots, he couldn't miss in the first quarter, the first half really. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see him break the... Uh, his personal record, which I think is 41, yeah. I thought he was going to, but uh, yeah, just a huge game for both those guys, and if that's a preview, even when Steph and Draymond come back, what we're going to see in a couple weeks, I'm all for it. 
Yeah, we'll get to that in a sec, uh, sort of the grander picture stuff. But just in terms of Kawhi, yeah, he started 6-for-6. Six six. Like, he was great from the beginning. He had a block that led to a Siakam run out and a dunk at the at the other end. And then he had another steal. Like, he was just absurd in the first quarter. The Raptors in the first quarter of this game, you might not remember because it ended up being so damn close and heart-wrenching, but they were up 32-14 and had, at different times in the first quarter, runs of 13-0 and then also 8-0. Like, they were like running all over the the Warriors and that was the starting five that was just kicking ass like the starting five is so so good right now um and it kind of bled a little bit late I think I think there's some maybe some tired legs out there and just I mean it's hard not to bleed when when Kevin Durant's hitting every goddamn shot in the world but um like the starting five with Ibaka at center has been fantastic all year and I thought it was great again tonight and and yeah Kawhi he only had three assists, but I thought his playmaking late in the game was really good too. Like the the second half, you know, he kind of slowed down offensively a little bit just because the Warriors were sending so much towards him, and he was kind of being swarmed with you know two or three guys every time he had the ball. But he was making a smart play. He only had one turnover in this game, considering how many guys the Warriors were sending at him and how often he was guarded by Kevin Durant and like his crazy long arms and how often there was help coming his way. I think that's really impressive that he only had the one turnover. Um, and yeah, like late in the game, I mean, I tweeted this. Like, I love DeMar DeRozan with all my heart and I will love DeMar DeRozan forever. But there was that sequence where the Raptors went on the 8-0 run to go up 114-104 where Kawhi just had his fingerprints all over it. He had the, I think he had a wing three at one point. He had a big defensive stop. He had another bucket, like a, just like another mid-range jumper over somebody that no one can ever stop. And it was just like, yeah, you're realizing the difference, right? Like, the, think of when the Raptors played the Warriors last year. The first game, they had a big lead, and they you know, they, they looked like they were going to win it, and then a 10-0 run by the Warriors in the last two minutes seals it for the Warriors because, you know, just Kevin Durant's that difference maker. And then you have the game against the Warriors where they come back from the huge deficit and they don't quite have enough. And I don't know, like, it's revisionist history. The team's different and everything. But I feel like with Kawhi, you'd feel much better about the, the final results of those two games. He just, he kind of is such a great equalizer. And he didn't have the offensive night that KD did, but, like, he just, his defense was outstanding. And every time the Raptors needed something, it felt like Kawhi was providing it. So that was just, just so fun and different and new to watch. Like, there have been games where Kawhi's been great this season. Would you say this is, the like, the most superstar game he's played so far? Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. like, right from the get-go, you realized that there was some carryover from the Spurs series yeah. uh, from 17. I think that that's, like, the first apparent time that we've had where he's been in the Raptors uniform where it hasn't been – or it's been apparent that there was carryover and, like, some malicious intent on his part at getting a, a, a retribution against mm-hmm. the Warriors in some way. Like, and that's not overselling it. I think he had that in his mind, and that was apparent early on in the game. And to see that kind of killer instinct from him – was something a little bit new like we know he's a great player and he's shown that throughout the first month of the season but i think the insane kind of like lebron against the cell uh, lebron against uh lebron in the finals against the spurs like game six kind of mode where it just goes like supernova mm-hmm. like you know that Kawhi has that kind of play in him but we haven't seen it yet this season i think we kind of saw that in the first half where he was just kind of in all facets of the game all over the floor and make every shot and just doing what he does best. And when he plays like that, that's when like the Jordan comparisons kind of check in because he can score from all over the floor and has a great mid-range game. I thought maybe he forced it a little bit late, mm-hmm. and obviously that culminated in the final possession where he passed away too late and maybe had a layup there. Yeah. But you were right on that kind of one turnover point. I think it could have escalated a lot worse at different points in the game just based on who was guarding him. 
and those stretches where he was with the bench lineup where he was being double teamed every time he touched the ball like it could have been a whole lot worse than it was but it was it was fine it was yeah. fine they survived those bench minutes uh because he didn't cough the ball up because the bench just did it just enough to survive those terrible Valanciunas minutes mm-hmm. um, and they got out of that and did a game late yeah, and I think it's easy to forget because KD had such an insane second half, and in particular, like, the end of regulation and overtime, but I thought Kawhi, in addition to Pascal, Siakam, and OG Ananobi, did a really good job guarding KD for the most part in the first half, and that was one of the most encouraging things. I think uh, I think Josh Lewinberg tweeted it out at one point, 20 minutes into the game, each of those three guys had blocked a KD jump shot, which is kind of insane, and it kind of makes me a little bit encouraged for going forward. Obviously, like... KD's going to have nights where he hits everything, and he had that crazy long three at the end of the third. He hit, obviously, the game-tying three in the corner, uh, in the left corner at the end of the game. Like, he's going to hit those shots. He's Kevin goddamn Durant. But I think the Raptors kind of showed a bit of a formula, I guess, a little bit for the Warriors. But, again, it's hard to say because they didn't have their full complement of players. Um, I guess that, like, let's... Actually, we'll get to that question in just a second. First, I want to get to our sponsor for today. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Of course, Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing heated on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each, uh, each charge. And Action Heat batteries... Can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family for the holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone that just loves being outside or hates being cold. Uh, John, you're from Winnipeg. Do you hate being cold? Um, yeah, I'm often not. I'm kind of a, a warm person by nature, right. but. Uh... Yeah, being outside sucks this time of year. <laughs> well, that's right. Action Heat's for you. For, for the John Gotis on your list, get some Action Heat. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments for like layered heat-based layered shirts or whatever the hell you need to put under your, your regular clothing. Also, long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and has a great new styles and models just released for winter this season. And make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is the perfect solution to keep you toasty and warm, even in the most frigid winter weather. Again, up to 135 degrees those little panels get. Heated products that fit everyone are available with Action Heat, and they start at just $39.99. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off their entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on, or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty. Hosting warm and while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Uh, I want to get into the bigger picture stuff maybe in the last part of the show. But I guess let's talk some more about like sort of, sort of the in-game tic-tac-toe stuff from this one. Um, you mentioned Jonas Valanciunas. He played 16 minutes off the bench. Apparently had 12 points, which I didn't really realize he picked up. 4 of 5 shooting was efficient from the floor. Uh, 4 of 4 from the line as well. But... 
I thought he was a extreme liability in the early fourth quarter minutes with the bench on the court and the, the third quarter as well. What did you make of... I, I feel like he kind of got a little bit too much rope from Nick Nurse in this one. What did you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that against any other team where they can't hang kind of a 15-0 on you in a minute, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't create that nature of like frantic, oh, you need to get him out of the game, you need to get him out of the game. And the bench just has a little bit more rope. Mm-hmm. But with the whole Fred Van Vliet... Jonas Valanciunas pick and roll it's just kind of hagger right now like they yeah. don't make the right pass they don't connect in the right way and it's just so much more apparent when the team that you're playing can go back up the floor and hang a three on you and then you're back up the floor trying to answer back like it's just so much more apparent against the Gold State Warriors but and on defense I mean he's the liability against that team just based on the fact that they're hanging passes over him he's whipping his head he, he doesn't know where the ball is coming from on the floor he gets back cut a lot and he said he has games where he can pick up on some of that, but mm. this just wasn't that night for him. He was just kind of lost on defense. And uh, one thing about the Warriors is that uh, you alluded to the defense that they played on Kevin Durant, where they kind of had Ibaka hang back. Mm-hmm. When Jonas Valanciunas does that, there's no threat of a block shot at the end. Like when Ibaka is playing ice and playing back in the paint in a pick and roll defense, like there's a threat of him changing or blocking a shot at the end of that possession. Mm-hmm. So there's more chance the offensive player is going to pull up or take a more difficult shot. But with Valanciunas, like the book is out on him. Guys are just going at his body and finishing with ease. Like he, he maybe was a block, a shot blocker a few years ago, but is just not that player anymore, especially against a guy like Durant or somebody bigger in the pick and roll. We kind of saw that against Memphis too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just wasn't a matchup for him. And, just got too many minutes there with the bench unit, I thought. But that's the whole kind of trade-off thing where you got two fives where you're trading off minutes. Um, Monroe wasn't going to play tonight, so it was just kind of survival. Like I said, the bench just kind of had to survive those minutes. The two DeLon Wright threes, I thought, were massive oh, and surviving stretch. Because yeah. otherwise the Warriors take a lead, and then it's kind of a different story when the starters come back having to get back into a game as opposed to hanging on to a lead. So I thought that those two right threes were just massive for that stretch because the Warriors were hanging points on them on the other end. Yeah, I think, you know, let me preface all this by saying, like, I think Jonas has been really good this season, and I think he's very valuable for this Raptors team, just not in this particular matchup. And like you said, when he's back at the rim, there's not much of a shot block threat there. There were like three or four possessions in a row where it was either KD or Klay Thompson or Sean Livingston putting a floater up over over Jonas, and he just had no, no chance of stopping it. And when you add in the fact that, there were a couple possessions there where JV was on the court and he just couldn't grab a rebound to save his life defensively. Um, like there were just those extra possessions over and over, and it was just like, oh, come on! Like there was the one they had this like wonderful defensive possession, and this might have been after Jonas came out of the game, but still it was a problem pretty much all night. They had this wonderful defensive possession where Serge and Siakam both converged on on, De- on Durant and made him you know forced him into a really bad miss from the corner. And then there was just no one left at the rim, and DeLon picked up a loose ball foul, and I think the, the Warriors ended up getting the points out of it at the end. But, um, you know, when Jonas was in there, too, there were just possessions where it was just like two, three, four offensive rebounds, and you can't give the Warriors that many chances, man. I don't care if it's Damian Lee or Kevin Durant. Like, you just can't be allowing oh, that many extra possessions. Okay. What's that? That's his first name. I couldn't figure out who that was. <laughs> they have a Damian Lee and a Damian Jones. They're both That's pretty bad, I think. Yeah. Okay. Neither are very good, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, Damian Jones, his first basket came in, like, the first minute of the game, and then he didn't do anything else. It was a minus 20, so shouts to Damian Jones. Um, yeah, so, yeah, the bench, 
And yeah, you can say that Jonas was bad defensively, but also those 12 points kind of helped them in that survival mode like you were talking about, right? Because no one else on the bench was really offering much. OG had a really rough night. He was one of six from deep, um, and it, it prompted a Tim Bontemps tweet about his bad three-point shooting. I'm not too concerned about it. I think it'll be fine, but it was rough tonight, and the Warriors were pretty clearly letting him shoot. They, they, get, they gave him wide open space a couple times and weren't too worried about it. And then CJ Miles only played three minutes in this one. I would expect to see that more often against these really good teams down the stretch. You know, obviously the stretch is a far, far time away from now, but um, like late in games against good teams or in the playoffs, I think CJ is going to have this treatment most nights where he's getting very few minutes, if any at all. And Fred Van Vliet, man, like he was just, you alluded to it with his like inability to connect with Jonas in the pick and roll. There was one instance where he connected with him on the roll and Jonas got a bucket out of it. But other than that, it was just a... A rough night for those two, and just a rough night for Fred in general. 0 for 3 after being perfect against the Grizzlies two nights ago, and I just thought he looked completely lost, out of sorts, holding onto the ball just way too damn long. And if you're not, if it weren't for Jonas and Fred Van, sorry, Jonas and Delon Wright upholding that offense, like it would have been a real struggle, I think, for the Raptors to keep pace in this one. And also, I guess credit to Nick Nurse for staggering Kyle and Kawhi once again. You know, Kawhi started the fourth quarter with the bench. I think that helped him a little bit at least, um, even though I don't think his offense really kind of he didn't really partake in the offense during those minutes. He was just kind of out there as as not CJ Miles, which was fine. Um, and he was the he was the reason Delon was open on the two threes he made. And yeah, OG that's was true. Open, yeah. Like wide open for two shots as yeah. well that he missed. Very true. So the, he took the pressure off, I think, for that unit because during that stretch, like I said, they were having two guys and shading a third over to his side of the floor. Yeah. So things were open, like for Fred to create. There were a couple examples of just like misreads uh, by Valanciunas when he got the catch in the roll, but. Yeah, it's just, there's still this kind of, um, the, the bench is just off a little bit with these stretches where they, they get pressure in their face. I think they were good against Memphis because Memphis kind of stopped playing for a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when those threes are wide open for OG, like those are shots that you have to make against a really good team. And there's just, it just makes you appreciate Kyle Lowry that much more because there's just intangibles that he brings. Yeah. He gets on the glass. So, like, Van Vliet wasn't in on the glass. And if Valanciunas is involved in the defense, he's not there to clean up. And uh, I thought that kind of killed him on a couple possessions, too. But uh, it just makes you realize how good Lowry is, even when he's not putting together, like, a huge night, the 10 and 12 night from him, but uh, still a massive part of this game. Yeah, Kyle was great in, you know, for, for as great as you can be going 4 of 14 and 2 of 7 from deep. I thought he kind of dictated the pace of the game, especially in the first half. He only had like 5 and 6, but I thought he was really good. He had that one big rebound and then, or was it like a big defense? Yeah, he went vertical at the rim and then made, got a stop, picked up the rebound, went down and scored in the paint the other end. And that's the kind of thing he does, right? And he just makes those plays. Um, 10 points, 12 assists, 8 boards. Those boards too, man, like as I touched on. I mean, Jonas only had four in this game. Siakam only had two. It was a pretty rough effort rebounding-wise, and Lowry and Leonard tied for the team lead, and there were a couple possessions there where it was kind of being battled around a little bit and, you know, the, the battles for the loose balls, and it's like, oh, Kyle's definitely going to come down with this ball over the, all, of the, all of the trees and the Warriors, um, which is always nice and comforting, I suppose. And, yeah, he hit that big turnaround jumper late, I think, in regulation. Was that regulation when he hit that? I think it was. Um, but, yeah, he, he was... As poor as he shot, he hit a couple of really big shots late. He had that three in the corner as well that, uh, again, it all kind of blurs together. I don't know when the hell. I think it was regulation too, but 
Um, he, he had some big moments after kind of not looking so great for a lot of the fourth quarter and having people tweet like, oh, is he going to be good in the playoffs? Or is he is LeBron creeping back in? And it's like, all right, relax, man. Kyle was good in the playoffs last year. Shut up. Um, we will get to uh, the bigger picture stuff in just a second. But first, I want to remind everybody to check out the Locked On Podcast social uh, Locked On Podcast Network social media feeds on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it's great. It's got all of the hosts from the network just kind of being retweeted into one feed. So you don't have to go around and follow 60 hosts. You can just follow Locked On NBA Net on Twitter or Locked On NFL Net on Twitter as well. And you will get all of the hosts from each network just retweeted into one feed. It's very clean. Keeps your follower count down or your following count down. And you don't have to worry about going around and following idiots like me and getting all of my non-basketball tweets. If you don't want that, if you just want my basketball tweets, follow Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. And on Instagram, we're posting little snippets of the podcast, 20, 30, you know, 60-second clips. And if you want to, you can go listen to the full thing. If not, you can just get that little condensed take that you get in that little snippet of the podcast, and that can be your listening for the day. But we prefer you listen to the whole thing. It's really fun when you do. Um, but yeah, so Locked On NBA Net and Locked On NFL Net on Twitter and Instagram. Check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's uh, get to some bigger picture stuff. From this game, do you feel better or worse after it? Like in terms of like the grand scheme of things for the matchup come June, if that is in fact what happens. If the Raptors do make the finals and play the Warriors, does this game change how you feel about it? And do you, does it change your way, change how you feel about it positively or negatively? Uh, I don't think it really changed that much. Like I didn't feel during the, this game that I had a lot riding on it personally. Right. Like I wasn't going to take away much from a win and say that it was going to be applied to a playoff series because there just wasn't enough there. It's just a cool matchup between two really good teams mm-hmm. from my perspective for the game. But uh, there are obviously things you can take away from it. On the offense, I think the Raptors found a lot of success. They found that Kawhi can score when he's guarded by uh, Kevin Durant. Like that switch happened early on and, uh, Kawhi didn't keep up the same level of uh, uh, of making baskets, but was still able to score, obviously, in uh, quite a lot of points. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I take too much from it just because things are going to change even in two weeks when you see this team. You don't know how much the Warriors are going to expend uh, if, if they feel like it's some sort of finals preview. It's just so hard to read into games in November. Uh, when things are going to change a lot come playoff time. But mm-hmm. nuts and bolts of it, I like the fact that they can score on the Warriors. It's just so hard to tell because Steph obviously changed the entire dynamic of what the Warriors look like, how they run their offense, how efficient they are. He's, you know, the preeminent change of whatever, generational, whatever you want to say in the NBA. So mm-hmm. it's impossible to judge the Warriors without him there. Yeah, I guess there are two ways to feel about it, right? I guess three. One is that you don't care, you're neutral, and it doesn't change your opinion at all. Two is that, like, hey, they beat the Warriors when Kevin Durant had a night where he scored 51 on 31 shots, and like they withstood that best shot, and Kawhi went toe-to-toe with him, and maybe this makes you feel a little bit better. Or you could say, hey, they only won by three points with Steph and Draymond both out. Maybe this bodes poorly for what's going to come down the line. I'm probably more to the middle. I think it's probably neutral. But I do think there are some things that... 
if Raptors fans are looking to make themselves feel better about the matchup, like, I guess number one's Pascal Siakam. Like, holy shit, dude. 42 minutes for him, 26 points on 8 of 10 shooting, 3 of 4 from deep, which is the big one. Also 7 of 8 from the line, which is another big one for him. Um, what did you think of Pascal's game, and how do you think he fits into this matchup, and sort of like how does he change the calculus of a Raptors-Warriors matchup if that were to happen in June? Uh, well, he played 42 minutes tonight. I, I mean, I would love if he could play 48 plus. <laughs> I, he just was a different team when he wasn't on the floor. Um, yeah. I like the change of pace he provides when he's guarding Kevin Durant. I thought it was great that they kind of changed on a even possession by possession basis, whether it was Kawhi or Siakam guarding him, which I think helps anytime you're going against a superstar player. And I've talked about this with LeBron in the past, just throwing different bodies at him can affect him in some sort of way. I don't think it worked very well with Durant tonight, but there were one-off possessions. I mean, he was 18 for 31. that He did miss at some point in this game, and I thought the Raptors did a good job of just throwing different bodies at him. Mm-hmm. I, I watched him more, I think, on the defensive side of the ball tonight. I really liked what he did on that end. On offense, it seemed like it was just a turned-up version of what he can give you on any given night. I mean, he got like the six garbage-time points in free throws, yeah, and then and really just did what he does on the offensive end like he finishes in transition he is insanely good at catching Kyle Lowry's passes and just brings like a level of intensity to the offense that is needed especially coming out of those bench stretches where things stagnate a bit it just uh, can throw teams off when he comes back on the floor yeah I also made this joke on the internet but I'll make it again Uh, he is single-handedly reverting the stereotype around white euro bigs or white white euros in, in general uh, and proving that they are actually slow and bad at defense because holy shit that he ever cook Jonas Terebko a couple times and that is just adds to the list of Euros that he's cooked so far this year and Ursan Ilyasova and Dario Saric and all these guys. Like he, that spin move is still unguardable. He had a move today where he had the spin move and then instead of going up for a bucket, he kicked it to the corner for Kawhi. And I was like, oh, if this is a thing now, like that would be pretty rad. Um, but even if it's not, he can't be stopped in the spin move just yet by anybody. And yeah, I just... The fact that he hit three threes tonight, that's not going to happen every night. But at the same time, like he's at like 35% on the season. And that was kind of the magic number people had coming in. And obviously, it's a small sample. He's only hit 15 so far this year. But like that is all kinds of encouraging, I think, that he's like so willing to take them. The three-point attempts, I think, are more important for him than just the makes at this point. Because I think at some point, the makes will come. But as long as he's still like happy to put them up and is not, you know, per- perturbed by his, you know, history of not hitting them, like I, I, I am uh, like really encouraged by that. He just seems so eager to take those shots. And again, like it's never looked like a shot that's like awkward or janky or anything like that. It just seems like something that'll eventually come for him. So, um, like with the amount of touch he has, it, it seems like it almost like a like a far fetched thing that it won't come. So. It's awesome, and he if he can do that, and if he can be on the court and be someone who the Warriors have to care about, like that changes everything. Because if you can get away with having a non-shooter or someone who's a perceived non-shooter on the court, that is a win. Considering all of all the other great things Siakam does defensively for you against this Warriors team, and when you throw in how Ibaka played, like. With Ibaka, I guess there were sort of two ways it could go, right? He was, or maybe he, again, sort of one of these in the middle things. Like, I think thinking about him in this matchup as a center, I've kind of thought, okay, he's either going to be something closer to Tristan Thompson where he can switch on to anybody and be, 
you know, just like a really sturdy defender who you can have on the court at all times, or he's going to be Kevin Love, who you, you, he's going to get played off the court against the Warriors. And he's much closer to the Tristan Thompson thing, and he's also he has offense to provide to the table as well. He hit 8 of 13 tonight. He was money on that mid-range jumper once again. He had a couple dunks. Like, he I, very much looked the part of a guy you can play at center against the Warriors, which I think is extremely encouraging. And I guess this has been the thing for me against both Boston and, I guess, the, the Sixers too and, and the Warriors now is that's that starting five, man. That looks like it can play against anybody. It'd be very good against anybody, which, you know, yes, there are bench issues, but if you have that starting five figured out and that lineup is already just, like, completely torching teams so far this year um, and the, the sample size is getting bigger and bigger and more reliable, that is uh, a really nice thing to have to hang your hat on, right? So, I, I don't know. Do you have any stray thoughts on that what I just went through or, or anything else from this game yeah I think that Ibaka kind of played the perfect game for him like I wouldn't change anything about the scheme that they went with because he was all in yeah. on ball when the Warriors kind of broke down the defense and that really helped him I thought just change enough possessions you know other than Kevin Durant making just insane shots over guys it was tough for the Warriors I think to get open looks in this game and a lot of that is due to Ibaka kind of being able to close down the paint I think yeah. the corrections from this game are that the guards have to do a better job, especially the bench guards, of rebounding. Yeah. And I think that's the result in you know eliminating those three minutes from C.J. Miles, who never gets in on the rebounds, getting Van Vliet in there more, and maybe getting more minutes for DeLon Wright, because when he was out there, he was getting you know affecting the rebounds, although he didn't have one. Mm-hmm. I thought he was kind of in the area on a lot of them and kind of just affecting things like Kyle Lowry does to kind of keep the ball in play to get a rebound, because yeah. obviously the big difference in this game was you know, 10 more offensive rebounds for the Warriors, 13 more shots out of that. Uh, if you kind of close that gap a little bit, you have a lot more chance of success. And I think that if the bigs are going to get it drawn into the primary action, you just kind of have to have more from Lowry where he gets in there or to get those bench guards and just tell them, you know, there's no leaking out. You have to get down and get a rebound with these guys. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, this game was so awesome, man. What a good game. I... <laughs> I'm happy it ended the way it did. It would have been a little heartbreaking to see them have that lead dwindle down, but goddamn, it was a it was a really fun game to watch. Honestly, I was expecting them to lose after it went to overtime because overtime always feels like a buzzkill for the Raptors in these very intense games. Um, was not the case, obviously. Danny Green hit that enormous three, which was probably kind of the one that sealed it a little bit. Um, it was a ton of fun, man. I just... Uh, super NBA Twitter thing to say, but give me more of that. I, I, I mean... Ideally, uh, ideally a, a more beatable team if you're gonna if the War Raptors are gonna make the finals. But like, I guess you're not picking and choosing if you're making the finals. Like, you'll just deal with whoever you have. And goddamn, that was a fun ass game. Yeah, Cavs on Saturday gonna be just as good. Yeah, remember when that like a Warriors Cavs back to back a happened every goddamn year and b was hard. <laughs> yeah, what a letdown. Yeah, I think Eric said it, but yeah, Kawhi's definitely not making that trip. Yeah, I don't think so either. Nineteen and four. The Raptors, they're very good at basketball. It's uh, yeah, that's a huge. Those are two huge wins too because you get yeah. tested a little bit. They're yeah. at the beginning of a really like a hard three week stretch. You kind of get the reprieve with Cleveland, but then Denver and Philly next week, like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. LA, Golden State again. Like it's just like a hard stretch of games against teams that really play hard. So yeah, obviously the ability to win these close games are is massive, even if they drop a few later on. I think Nick Nurse is kind of psyched about the tough schedule, actually. It's been such a... I mean, they had the bye week where they played the Southeast and the Bulls, and I, I think they are kind of, you know... It, it, the, the bad habits can creep in against those shit-ass teams, right? So, 
I uh, I think they're kind of relishing in this. And hey, if they're going to win these games, also that's uh, that's not bad at all. Uh, John, this podcast was not bad at all. Thank you for jumping on. Very much appreciate it. Uh, where can people check out your work? Uh, just follow me at John Godis, and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, that's that's selling yourself pretty high. But hey, uh, you're you're my guest, so I won't disparage you too much. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can find the show uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all that good stuff. Uh, and subscribe, rate, and review. That's the best way to support the show. As always, moves moves up the rankings, all that good stuff. Also, I have my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Raptors, and I've changed the tier structure a little bit. So if you're a $2 subscriber now, in the old structure, $2 subscribers didn't get any extra content. They were just being nice and giving me $2 a month. But now you get two podcasts a month. If you have a $5 subscription, you get all of the podcasts, and you get to vote on future topics for the podcast as well. And uh, so that's the new structure. There's no more $7 tier. If you want to give me $7, go nuts. That would be awesome. But uh, it's $2, $5, extra content. The podcast we're doing this week with myself and Josh Howe is coming up on Saturday morning, and we are going to be diving into Game 7 of the Raptors Net Series from 2014. That should be a good time. I think it will also be, uh, after watching this game tonight with Kawhi Leonard and how good this team is compared to this Warriors team now, uh, I think it will be a bit eye-opening to talk about a team with like Grievous Vasquez getting a lot of minutes and stuff like that. But uh, stay tuned for that one on Saturday morning. Uh, Primo's passed on Ross on the Patreon feed. That's going to do it. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.